What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Sound Rundown. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Tuesday, March 22nd. And yes, that means it's my birthday. I say the date now at the, at the beginning of every, every episode. And it just so happens that today falls on my birthday. So super exciting to get this podcast out today. Again, the grind doesn't stop just because it's my birthday doesn't mean that we're not going to get these episodes out for you guys. And also, we just had the first weekend of March Madness pass us and that was quite a weekend probably honestly probably the best weekend i've had in a very long time because i just sat on my butt and watched college basketball all weekend and didn't have really any other responsibilities so that was really fun to do it's definitely the most i've watched of the first and second rounds ever so um, i actually had a tv this year last year i was in my my dorm rooms uh in my first year of college and i didn't have a tv so i had to watch it on my computer and that wasn't really as fun. So I didn't have to end up watching a lot last year. But this year I was able to I was able to watch a lot more and it was a lot more enjoyable. And I am just super pumped for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight that we get this coming weekend. Matt, how are you? I'm probably even better than you. I mean, it's your birthday and you watched all the March Madness. Come on. That's where I'm at, too. So um, obviously it's not my birthday, but yeah. watch all of March Madness. I loved it. It's, it's seriously the best four days of the year, in my opinion, just overall, there's just so much action. There's so many games, there's so much hype leading up to it. And then all the games play out and there's so much craziness and you have no idea what's going to happen, uh, on top of already kind of being in a, honestly, like a kind of a sports dead period, uh, where, you know, we're coming off the Super Bowl, but we don't have really any other sports to, to, to be watching and stuff. So, it's the perfect time for all that to happen. It's the middle of March. It's cold outside. You, you know, you're, you're in the middle of your semester, your job, and it's not fun, but March Madness is here to, to bring, to bring us the joy. So, and it definitely delivered um, as we, as we kind of alluded to a little bit on the podcast on Saturday, but haven't really even talked about any of the games yet uh, together here. So definitely going to do that today, go through all of the matchups, all of the, uh, all the excitement, um, just kind of recap the weekend of college basketball as well as look forward to, uh, you know, to, to what's to come with the Sweet 16 games and the Elite Eight games uh, that are being played Thursday through Sunday of this week. So by the time you're listening to this podcast on next Tuesday, we're going to know the final four. I mean, how, how crazy is that? That's yeah. also kind of the cool part about March Madness is that, yes, it is exciting in the moment and everything like that, but it's also it goes by quickly. And so, you know, there, there's a lot of action packed into a little bit of time and you know, what's, I, I don't know what's better than it. So, um, so yeah. And we'll also have a little bit, a little bit of golf to end off the episode here. Got a lot of, a lot of, a uh, lot of interesting stuff going on in golf with, with, you know, really big tournaments being played and, and other news kind of with the, you know, with the masters coming up here in less than a month. So uh, obviously the, 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 the content train keeps on rolling as, as we always got stuff to talk about here in the first down rundown podcast, but obviously going to start with uh, reviewing the weekend that was uh, in the first and second rounds of the NCAA tournament for this year. Yeah, there you go. We are going to be starting off with our college basketball segment. Then we're going to move into golf and then we're going to have, our you're wrong man of the week segment as our thing that finishes us off here today. So that'll be fun. Um, I don't know what Matt has planned for that segment. I know what I have planned and yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun episode. So let's get right into it with college basketball. So yeah, I don't really even really know how to start here. It's like, it's kind of, cause I don't want to do, you know, just every, every game. I don't want to, just go through every game and kind of give my thoughts on it because I mean, 
yes, I did kind of watch a part of every game at least, but I, I didn't really catch too much of, of, you know, some of them. So one thing, I guess one thing that struck me the most was the fact that the top left region. So the West region with Gonzaga and Duke as the one and two seeds, those that region actually ended up having the one through four seeds in the sweet 16. And I'm pretty sure actually, no, Matt did. Sorry. I, I predicted that. And Matt almost, he almost had that. He had Michigan state beating Duke in the round of 32, but that was kind of interesting. Cause I, that was the only region that I picked that happening in. I, every other region I had some kind of upset. I mean, I had Chattanooga in my sweet 16 in the South region. And I mean, I had Iowa in my, <laughs> I had, I, I won my final four who lost in the first round as well. So it's like I had some lower seeds in there um, and, and, you know, no other region uh, did I have the top four seeds in the sweet 16, but that region I did. And it ended up, ended up happening, which was actually kind of cool to see that region was honestly probably my best region out of, out of all of these um, because I got all the, all the four sweet 16 teams in that region. And I only got two of the first round games in Yukon and, Davidson wrong so the, both of those teams lost but every everybody else I got Notre Dame I've got a little bit of a cough here I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to um, edit most of it out but you guys might hear me cough from time to time I guess um, so yeah I mean that that region was probably my best region and we'll go over the rest of the regions probably too and I've, I'm not even gonna say how my bracket did yet because I have a lot of things to say about the other teams that were expected to win, but ended up losing in dramatic fashion as there was a, a quite a bit of them this past weekend that lost. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess to start off with my, with my first impressions, that would probably be my, my best impression or my, my best pick, I guess, overall from this, from this past weekend. Yeah. And, and I mean, just to kind of go off of that, I think, right. Obviously the biggest upset was Kentucky losing to St. Peter's who then also beat Murray state. And I think the funny thing about this kind of it, that's been in the news at least, or, or that I've seen is, is the fact that like before the tournament started, everybody was kind of looking at the bracket and saying, wow, you know, you have Kentucky in the first round and, and then Murray state was playing San Francisco. And if both of those teams can win, it can be like the battle for Kentucky, right? Because Murray state is the other biggest team I'm not really big. I mean, Louisville is also kind of, you know, a big team from Kentucky, but, but kind of like the best teams from Kentucky, right? The team, the two teams that really, that made the tournament um, are going to be facing off in the second round. Like that would be so hyped to see. And ne well, not neither team won. Murray State did their job in one. Kentucky did not. And the funny part about this is that St. Peter's, this, you know, one of the smallest schools in the entire country, uh, you know, this random school from New Jersey, beat not only Kentucky, but also Murray State. So it was this, this funny meme was going around on the internet where it was like, you know, there were, there were, or, you know, there were kind of like pictures beforehand showing like half the state was Murray State, half the state was Kentucky. And then afterward, it was like the entire state was just the St. Peter's logo. So definitely, you know, such an awesome story there with St. Peter's. I think, I think only the the third or fourth 15 seed to, to reach the sweet 16. Um, yeah, obviously the, the first, yeah, the first since yeah. Florida Gulf Coast did it back in like 2014 or something. Um, so yeah, so, so great story there with St. Peter's and, and obviously they deserve to be there. Um, going to be, going to be tough to going up against Purdue. I think it, you know, kind of unfortunately as, as random as Purdue has, has seemed throughout the season and the, in their conference tournament and everything, it's like, 
I think they've just gotten lucky draws, man. And, and weirdly enough, like nobody's really able to deal with their size. And so they're just kind of kind of surviving and advancing, um, which is obviously what you have to do in March Madness. So, you know, and Purdue's had some pretty, uh, I, I would say, un- underwhelming performances in March Madness over the past few years. So if they're able to kind of continue their run, then, then definitely props to them. I guess just sticking in that region, uh, UNC over Baylor. Who predicted that? That's right. I did. Um, I knew it. I, I could tell. I was just I like UNC, their performance against Duke, you could tell this team was locked in. They found their starters. And I think that was really the, the kind of the turning point for that season is like, you know, you had Hubert Davis. He's the coach there. I think going in had a list of, you know, six or seven or eight guys who he wanted, who he wanted to be, or he thought who he thought would be the starters ended up being a different group of guys. And, and he's rolled with them ever since then. They've been on fire. So, um, Obviously, you know, in the, in the, in, like I said, beat Duke in the, in the uh, last game of the regular season, they lost to tech in the semifinals of the ACC tournament. But again, tech was just Virginia tech was just on fire. You know, that was just, it was a team that caught fire for a couple of games. And obviously they got railed by, by Texas in their first game of the tournament. So I just, I saw UNC is just a very hot team going in. And as much as I was kind of trashing on the ACC, they've proved me wrong for sure throughout this tournament. You, you got three teams in the sweet 16. So, um, and, and obviously, you know, one eight seed and one 10 seed uh, kind of, you know, mashed in there. So, and, and both really all the teams have had good wins. So it's also not been kind of a random, a random assortment here, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't impressed with what I'd seen from Baylor. I think that they had just kind of gotten through the season and hadn't really proved their stuff, hadn't really needed to prove uh, what they had. And obviously this, the, the, the entire season was, was, was demolished by injuries for them. And so you can't really blame Baylor for being like, oh my gosh, you, you know, you won the championship last year. You, you should be at least in the sweet 16. First of all, right. If your team has that many injuries and you're not able to gel together, then you, you can't expect a team like that to be able to, to actually make a run in March Madness. They lost in the first game of the conference tournament, the big 12 tournament to, uh, to, Oklahoma and then lost in their second game in the in the uh, in March Madness the other thing about this is and you've probably seen the stats out there I think the defending champion hasn't made it past the round of 32 in like the last like six seven years in a row or something um, which is crazy because you think about all those great teams you know the UNC won it in 2017 Villanova won it two out of three years UVA won it uh, and then lost to Ohio last year right in the first round so it's like it's been crazy that this streak has just continued to move on and a lot of that is just because like I think of just the expectations, right? Is you're, 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 you're supposed to be this great team, but nobody really thinks about the pieces that you lose along the way, as well as the way that your team is or isn't able to gel throughout the year with, you know, withstanding injuries and all that stuff. So I think that it's just really interesting how the, the trend is still holding. Um, but obviously, you know, I saw it coming because I picked UNC. So what are we talking about here? Um, the other biggest upset was uh, Auburn losing to Miami on Sunday night. Again, not really something that I think was too surprising to people because I think that just Auburn didn't really deserve a two seed. I think that, or, or maybe they did, but they everybody could kind of see that they were just declining throughout the rest of the throughout the kind of the end of the regular season, and then definitely into the conference tournament. It's, oh, they also lost their first game in the conference tournament to Texas A&M. So you you kind of look at this and you say, well, and and just you know just to kind of 
I think summarized that well, Hayden picked Miami to beat USC and then Hayden picked Miami to beat Auburn. So he got that game correct, right? The 10 over the two seed. I picked USC to beat Miami and then I picked UC USC to beat Auburn. So, so either way, and I believe that USC would have beaten Auburn. I mean, Miami was like eight point underdogs and won the game by 18 points. I think that USC definitely would have beaten Auburn. So it's essentially like whoever wins that seven, 10 matchup in the first round is, is going to demolish Auburn, the two seed, which is really just, I think, just shows kind of the, the the trend that they had been on. And so to a certain extent, it's like you this crazy upset, but then also you kind of say, well, you know, Auburn really shouldn't have even been there, or at least like we could have seen it coming. And then quickly the other two double digit season, the sweet 16, you have Wisconsin or so you have Iowa state beating Wisconsin and then Michigan uh, beating Tennessee. Hayden had Tennessee as his, uh, as his champion. So I'm going to let him go ahead and talk about these surprising 11 over 11 seed over three seed matchups, which each favored the 11 seed going to the sweet 16. Yeah, I, both of those, I didn't, I was not in favor of because I had Wisconsin in my elite eight going up against Iowa. And then I, of course I had Tennessee as my champion for those of you who want to hear how bad my bracket is doing so far i don't have my champion left and i only have one final four team left and that is gonzaga i also have gonzaga in my championship so i guess i also have a championship team left too but that's just so underwhelming when you have no other final four teams left so yeah i i'm not doing well at all i'm not going to win any of my pools i've just decided to not even care about any of them i i made 25 brackets so that's the max that you, you can make on espn matt did it as well as i did and then also our dad did it as well so we have a we have a group on espn with 70 75 total brackets and there's a couple in there that are that are pretty good but like for example matt's first bracket that he made like the matt's actual bracket where he actually thought everything out and the ones that he submitted into pools that one is doing better than the best of my 25 like that that's how bad this year has been for me so I think yeah I think it's like my ninth bracket is doing the best and it's still behind Matt's first bracket so that's uh I mean props to Matt for for picking some good teams this this go around but yeah I mean Michigan over Tennessee and literally nobody saw saw that coming I think a lot of people had Michigan beating Colorado State I think that was a pretty common upset pick and yeah, I mean, Tennessee, like, I think everybody had Tennessee going to at least the Sweet 16, if not the Elite Eight, if not the Final Four, and so on. So, again, I, there's, not, there's not really much to say here. It's just that I think that Tennessee, they, they just couldn't make any shots. That was, you know, that was one of the things that Matt and I were talking about after the game when we, you know, we texted each other and, and he was like, yeah, sorry about that. But, you know, Tennessee just couldn't knock anything down. And it's true. They, I mean, they were out there and their guard play is – what really helps fuel their team and their guards weren't really able to, you know, get anything through the hoop. And so that's obviously a recipe for disaster, especially in the tournament when you can't make shots and the other team is, is taking advantage of that, then, you know, you're, you're not, you're, you're destined to lose there. So yeah, it's just, it's really surprising to see Michigan in the sweet 16, especially because like Matt, Matt and I have said so many times, they shouldn't even be in the tournament in the first place, in our opinions. And, in the opinions of a lot of other sports fans that, you know, have followed college basketball throughout the season. A lot of people don't think that they should be even in the tournament. And if they, you know, if they were to get a spot, a lot of us think that they should have been in the playing game instead of Indiana, maybe Indiana and them should have switched, you know, because they're both in the big 10 and yeah, it's just every, you know, everything's kind of 
out of whack here. And I think Michigan is probably, it's probably the biggest surprise up until this point, other than St. Peter's, obviously, because St. Peter's, you know, 15th seed. But yeah, of, of like the, you know, the power five schools, I think Michigan is definitely the biggest surprise here in, in the Sweet 16. But as, as you know, in terms of the, the Iowa State win, I think that Iowa State has been very underrated. And again, we, I didn't really watch much of them in the, in the regular season anyway. And Matt and I both thought that they would win their game against LSU because LSU was, yeah, LSU was not good all year either. And so it was kind of the battle of the bads there, what we thought. And then, and then Iowa State just went on to beat Wisconsin. Wisconsin did have, I think it was, it was an injury. uh, I think like halfway through the game to, one of their very good, I think it's like Johnny Davis or something, maybe, or maybe he was the one, I, I think he was the one that got hurt, Johnny Davis on Wisconsin. He got hurt in their, actually in their last regular season game um, against Nebraska, and it was kind of like, oh, what's wrong with him? And then he kind of like tried to play in every game since then, and he looked okay, but he just wasn't, he definitely wasn't like, I mean, he's, he's like, he's being considered for Nathan Smith player of the year, like one of the best players in college basketball. Yeah. Um, and he definitely wasn't a hundred percent for any of their games in the big 10 tournament, as well as the March Madness. Yeah. So he, he was a really big part of that loss. I think, you know, him just not being able to go. And then the rest of their guys, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to have a, a good depth on your team in the tournament. That's one thing that I think is, is slept on too. And that, I think that's one thing that we kind of missed in our, episode kind of previewing the um it was the saturday before no no it was sorry it was the yeah i, th- I think it was the saturday before the um or no it, sorry it was the selection sunday episode our part one of the march madness breakdown where we kind of gave our strategies of what we're looking for in teams coming into march madness i think one thing that we forgot was um was kind of like the help that the bench gives the the starters because i think that's a really important thing in march madness is having guys that can come off the bench and, you know, put up a good 10 points or so. And that, that guys that aren't afraid to take shots and guys that aren't really shaky when they come into, into the game, having guys that have experience on the bench is really important in March Madness. And I think that's what Wisconsin was really missing in that game. And it, it showed because, again, Iowa State, I don't think they really did anything that special. I think that Wisconsin, it was more of just Wisconsin, you know, choking. And I think that's kind of the case for uh, – for Michigan too, not, not as much. I think that Tennessee, you know, they, they had all their star power and they just couldn't get it done. But, uh, and I think that Michigan played a really good game as well. I mean, they were able to, you know, they, they were able to score on the Tennessee defense, which that's really hard to do in itself. So that's, you know, you know, hands, uh, hats off to them for being able to do that. But yeah, I think that the Iowa state, the whole whole Iowa state thing was a little bit confusing as well. I, I just wasn't, I wasn't confident in, in Wisconsin at all going to my elite eight, but I also wasn't comp- confident in Auburn and I was pretty confident in Miami. So having Miami win over Auburn again, I, you know, I take credit for that. I think that was a pretty good pick, but having that happen, I, I saw Wisconsin in, you know, in the sweet 16 with Miami when I was picking my bracket and I was like, okay, well, you know, Miami is going to make it this far, but I think their luck is going to run out with, you know, a three seed Wisconsin, but now, you know, Miami's playing Iowa State, and I think that Miami is going to win that game by a good bit because if they can beat Auburn by 18 points, they can. I think they can take out Iowa State. One thing about the Miami-Auburn game is, is that uh, I think Miami plays a lot like what VCU played like back in their 
2011 final four run. They have extremely scrappy defense. All literally all they do on defense is just pickpocket you from behind when like when, when they inbounds the ball after, you know, when the other team inbounds inbounds the ball after um, a made shot by Miami, a lot of times what they'll have is they'll have one of their guards kind of just like stay back a little bit behind the players that um, that receive the ball inbounds. And then the guards will just go up behind him and then pickpocket him right, you know, right when they get the inbounds pass. And then they'll have basically like a free shot and they'll get points like that. They create so many turnovers. I think they had, there was a crazy stat towards the end of the game that showed that Miami had like 26 points off of turnovers and, uh, and Auburn had two. And it was just like, that's yeah, that's really bad when Miami's scoring, you know, almost a third of their points with points off of turnovers. And then, uh, and then Auburn, you know, has absolutely none. It's just, yeah, that's, that's also a recipe for disaster. So I think that Miami is just a very, they're a very tournament built team. They, and they have a lot of guys that are definitely confident now in themselves after beating, um, after beating Auburn two seats. So I, I honestly would not be surprised to see them make even a final four run here with how they're playing right now. Obviously they would probably have to get past Kansas because, Kansas and Providence are playing in the in the other Sweet 16 game in that region, which I think Kansas will win. I think we all think Kansas will win. Um, I'm not even really going to talk about Iowa because th- I think that was just a very fluke game for Richmond. Richmond played extremely well, and hats off to Richmond too. We you know we're Richmond guys, so it was it was cool to have that um, as kind of like a hometown hero for the tournament. But then they got smacked by Providence in the second round, which was a little bit surprising. But yeah, I mean Iowa. Again, I, I, I've talked so much about them and I've prayed, praised them so much that I can't really say anything about them now um, because that'll just be, you know, contradicting what I've said in the past. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to eat my words on that one with Iowa. And I mean, Matt Hammond in the Final Four, too. So I, ca- I guess both of us there were, were definitely wrong. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I have to say. Again, St. Peter's, like, that they they are also just a tournament team they're a very like prideful team they believe in themselves um but they're just not big and so i think matt kind of hit hit the nail on the head when he said that purdue is pretty much the last team that you want to play if you're a team like uh st peter's who has almost no size compared to purdue purdue has a seven foot four center and they've got a bunch of other big guys so that's yeah that i think that's going to bode bad for them um in the sweet 16 but who knows we could see them we could see anything at this point from this tournament because it's it's been crazy. But yeah, I mean, it, Matt, if you have anything else that you want to gear this conversation towards, go ahead. Well, I just want to go back to the Iowa State and Michigan things. I mean, it's just it's it's really weird to see like two 11 seeds beat two beat three seeds like that happened for both both situations. The weird part about both of these teams is that at one point you're not going to believe me when I say this, but at one point in the college basketball season, both of these teams were ranked inside the top 10, all right? Michigan was ranked number four to start the season. Obviously, a ton of preseason hype that, you know, they made it to the Elite Eight last year and, you know, but it, they were, they, so they had a good team. They were one seed last year as well. And so you, you kind of think about it, what happened, right? And and who knows? I mean, you know, they had some injuries here and there, whatever. But, like, clearly Michigan had the talent to be a top four team, basically a one seed, right? And, and so 
it was just weird how bad they ended up being during the regular season. And really all you need in a case like this is just a chance. Right. And, and so they went 17 and 14 in the regular season. Nobody had any faith in them. I was a strong proponent that they shouldn't have even gotten into the tournament. And I, and I was telling myself, I was like, all right, yeah, now that I think that they're going to be the ones to make a run, but like, there is something to build a case off of for the fact that they did make a run. Like we could see it. They had the talent. It, 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 it was, you know, it was decided upon by the AP voters and everything like that. And, and so they just had a bad regular season, but here they are in the sweet 16 as an 11 seed. Um, and so like, as Hayden meant, you know, Hayden's kind of talking about, it, he's like, you know, wow, it's interesting that they were able to get past the defense and, you know, Tennessee's stifling defense and they were able to defend Tennessee and whatever. And it's like, yeah, but, they, and similar to Tennessee, I don't think Tennessee was ranked to start the season. It was like, if, the, if you would have given this matchup to me at the beginning of the season, I would have been like Michigan wins by 20 points, right? So it's like, it's it's crazy how teams can change and, and our opinions of these teams can shift across the, you know, across the, the whole length of the season. But like, that's kind of my thing at the end of the day is I'm, I'm, Again, I, I don't think they should be in the tournament because that's the thing is like, I knew they would make a run, right? But it's like, let's just not even give them the opportunity to make a run because they didn't deserve to be here anyway. But it's tough to make that argument because it's like, well, they're showing us that they deserve to be here because they just beat, you know, two pretty good teams and they're in the three sixteen. So in in similarly for Iowa State, even more, I, I don't understand how Iowa State has won both of these games. I picked them to beat LSU as just an upset because I kind of just wanted to go along with the theory of picking all the 11 seeds in the first round. They are a team that's like built on defense and, and they played well. I think they started like 18 and 0 to start the season or 12 and 0 or something. And because their non-conference schedule was really easy. And then they got into conference schedule, took play in a big 12 schedule and they were terrible. And they lost like 10 out of the last 11 games. They lost in the first round of their, of their conference tournament. So it's like, this team has nothing going in again. I'm, that's another team. I'm surprised they even got in the tournament here. They are in the sweet 16, right? So it's, it's just weird how, or not weird, but I think it's good, right? Or it's just kind of interesting um where we kind of have like teams that obviously have been good all year you know your 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 Villanova's Gonzaga Arizona teams like those but you also have teams like Michigan and Iowa, and Iowa State where they had a lot of hype to begin the season obviously both ranked inside the top 10 I mean this was again like six months ago but still like the talent was there they had proved themselves to some extent in order to be ra- you know ranked that high and and then just kind of lost some steam during the regular season but here they are proving their stuff again and getting hot so again I don't really know whether I like it or I dislike it. I, I have arguments for both sides, but I think that's just something, another thing I, I interesting thing I noticed where it's, it's kind of like, you know, sometimes there's teams that obviously there's teams that have been good all year who have made it to sweet 16. There's teams like St. Peter's who had no, nobody had any idea where that college even was They're in the sweet 16. Then you have teams like Michigan and Iowa state. Nobody believed in them, uh, you know, coming in here. Nobody thought they should have been in their regular season records records were terrible. And here they are, you know, upsetting the three seeds and, and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, so just this, that was kind of my, my finishing touch, obviously not super interesting and, and, and headliney, but obviously, you know, right now we'll kind of get into to previewing these games and, and what we think kind of who we think will will have the best chance to advance yes sir sounds good all right so i guess we can honestly just go through all eight games because it's it's only eight you know compared to our 63 that we did in the part two part two of the march madness breakdown so yeah let's go from the left to right to bottom left to bottom right so we'll go from the west region here um we've got gonzaga and arkansas I'm going to take Gonzaga here. I think Gonzaga, this this honestly could be the year that they do it. 
um, and, you know, that they go and win the championship. Now, obviously, I might be eating my words next week at this time when we record the same podcast and they might not be in the final four. But again, I, th- I think they're going to beat Arkansas at least, um, you know, maybe things might get shaky here when they get to the elite eight. But um, but yeah, I think I think they'll they'll slide past Arkansas. Arkansas had a little bit of a tough time against New Mexico State. They didn't score really any points i mean they, they held new mexico state to 48 but they only scored 53 so that was that was a little bit uh yeah i think that was a little bit telling of what's going to happen in this game i think gonzaga is going to take this one and then with the duke and texas tech game i think that um i think that duke's going to take this actually I, I think duke is playing out of their minds recently i picked texas tech in my bracket but seeing how duke has kind of handled these past two games well i guess really just last game because they uh, they, they beat, I mean, they beat the 15 seed pretty bad um, in their, in, in the first game here. So, but the, the way that they handled the Michigan state game and the way that they played at the, at the end of that game and how they just took over and their talent really showed through, I think they're going to be able to do that again um, against Texas tech, Texas tech has looked a r- little bit shaky. I mean, I mean, Notre Dame's a good team and you know, their game against Notre Dame was pretty close, but I think that, kind of the the hot hand here is is Duke. So I'm going to ride with Duke here and send them to the Elite 8 as well. And then I've got I I think I've still got uh still got actually no, I'm going to go Duke to the final four because I think that yeah, I I don't know. I really believe in Duke and I I actually like I, I usually don't like Duke, but I think this year they've got a really a really good team, a, a team of like of guys that know that they've been humbled and so they know that okay, we're not you know, we're, we're not the best in the country right now. We actually need to work hard for what we for what we really want this season. And that obviously is to win the championship. So I think that they're really going to put their heads down and just play. They're not going to listen to all the buzz around and they're they're going to make it to the final four. So those are my picks. Gonzaga's toughest game was Memphis for the entire tournament, in my opinion. Seriously, it was it, I knew it. I said it from the beginning. I said it on the podcast. I was like, Memphis can legitimately beat Gonzaga, because they're basically the same team. Memphis is another team. Preseason ranking the top 10. Imani Bates is just like, ah, I don't want to play anymore once he realized that they lost like two season, two, two games. It's like, come on, dude. So he was back, right? They have big bruisers inside and they and they defend well. And so now that Gonzaga got past that, and obviously it was a scare, right? Memphis was up by 10 at halftime. Gonzaga came all the way back and, and Drew Timmy had an amazing game. So I think that was Gonzaga's toughest test. I think Gonzaga's probably going to roll from here. Obviously, pretty much their toughest test until Arizona, I would say, because I have Arizona in, as my champion. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Gonzaga's just too big for Arkansas. Arkansas is good. They'll defend. They're fast. But I think Gonzaga just – they're going to beat them up on the offensive boards. They're going to they're gonna shoot better uh, from three. So, um, yeah, so I think, unfortunately I, – I could see Arkansas doing it, making a run maybe, but – I don't know. I think, um, you know, I think Gonzaga had their, had their tough test and, and their battle test. They're ready to go. Um, I'm going to pick Texas tech. I, I don't really like Duke, but I also kind of just have so many running theories that I just don't want to be wrong. <laughs> like I have the theory that the ACC sucks. I have the theory that, you know, Duke can't defend anybody. Um, and, and so I think, you know, they go up a team against a team like Texas tech who is sound defensively. And so that's kind of my argument here is if, you know, Duke's your only strength is on the offensive end. If Texas Tech can defend Duke and 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 you know not let Paolo Barranquero run around like wild uh, and AJ Griffin, all the you know all the stars that Duke has potentially five first round picks. If they can't score on offense, 
they're not going to be able to defend Texas Tech. So, so my thing is Texas Tech, they know who they are. They're going to play good defense. If, if Duke is too much for them, they're too much for them. But I like Texas Tech here because I think I trust them more um, defensively. And then I have Texas Tech beating Gonzaga in my bracket to go to the Final Four. But I don't know. I mean, just watching that Memphis game, I'm like, I, again, the only thing that, that can stop Duke and Gonzaga is defense. And Texas Tech has one of has the best defense in the entire country. So it's like that. That's why I picked them, right? I, I knew it going in. I'm like, that's why Texas Tech has a, a, as good of an argument as anyone to reach the Final Four here and to beat both teams. If they can just play stout defensively in both of these games, they can easily win. But I don't know. I mean, I don't like projecting out games too much. I'm gonna still ride with Texas Tech because I have them in my bracket and I want that to happen. But like I said, I think Gonzaga's biggest test was Memphis until basically they go to the final four, even possibly in the championship game. So, um, yeah, so th- those are my thoughts. Don't really see uh, crazy upsets here, but like, like Hayden mentioned, it's the one through four seats anyway. So, yeah. All right, moving on to the next region, the South region, which is the top right, where we have Arizona, Houston, and Michigan, Villanova in the Sweet 16 matchups. So I'm going to go Arizona over Houston. Houston has really impressed me this tournament. I I'm going to eat my words on them because I thought that, well, I thought I had Chattanooga beating Illinois in the first round, which almost happened. Illinois just squeaked by in the last 25 seconds. Um, And then, yeah. And then Houston beat Illinois, which is kind of surprising. I thought for sure Illinois was going to roll past them, but they surprised me, but I think Arizona is going to do it because Arizona showed that they are just resilient against TCU in overtime. That was a crazy game. The other night, that was actually the last game of the second round. And uh, yeah, TCU showed some stuff that I did not expect from them. And they were actually that actually characterized like some other weird trend this this uh, tournament, which was, well, Baylor actually lost. So they were the one seed that lost. But, um, you know, there was two other one seeds that had really, really close games that could have lost at any point. Right. So like we could we technically speaking, you know, if if a couple more shots were made by TCU and Memphis. We could have three one seeds out of the tournament already, which would just be absolutely crazy. But, you know, those teams showed why they're one seed in in those situations. So I'm going to go Arizona with that game. And I'm going to go Villanova over Michigan. I think Villanova has been strong this whole tournament too. Um, You know, Ohio state looked pretty good in their game against Villanova, but I think, you know, Colin Gillespie is just a beast and their, their whole team is, is they're just very, um, they're very cohesive and they're, they're a very good team. And I think, you know, Jay Wright is, he's like the most positive coach you could ever think of. I mean, you see interviews with Jay, that Jay Wright participates in. And he like, the first thing he does is talk about how good the other team is. That's what, that's what he did with Ohio state. He was like, yeah, you know, they've got a really, you know, some really good players with EJ Liddell and um, that guy young that came back for this game that he was kind of like the one, two punch with EJ Liddell. And he was praising them to no end in, in an interview. And he wasn't even talking about his own team. And then he went out and beat, beat them. So, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I think that Villanova has got a really, really good and sound team. And I'm going to go Arizona to get to the final four, just because like Matt has said, I mean, they're, they're just so dominant. They're so big and fast and lengthy and they, I don't know. I mean, I think the the dunk, the putback dunk to seal the game that um, that Arizona had. I forget. It was uh, it was look Lakota or what's what's his name, Matt? Do you know? Do you know Christian? Yeah, it's something like that. It's tough to say. Yeah. Um. But the the putback dunk that he had was just, I think, kind of like a a statement that they are going to make for the rest of the season here. So I'm going to go Arizona to the final four. 
Yeah, I, I pretty much have the same picks here. I, it, weirdly enough, I think that in the same way Memphis was Gonzaga's toughest game, I think TCU's was Arizona's toughest game. I love TCU. I picked them. I was like, I was very high on them to beat Seton Hall, and they crushed Seton Hall um, literally by like 30 points. Uh, and and I didn't see them really competing with Arizona, but I'm not surprised that they did. So in the same way, yeah, I don't think Arizona is going to really struggle with Houston. Houston is similar to, to Memphis, though, in the sense that they got big guys and and they can, they can rebound the heck out of the ball. Um, and as I said, before the se- before March Madness started, Houston lost two of their best three players. Can you imagine if they had all three of those guys, they would be one of those teams is just making a run right now. Obviously they got to the final four last year. So um, coming off of that, it, it could be, it could be damaged for Houston uh, right now. And then I think that they're probably just going to meet their, meet their match in, in Arizona. Unfortunately, I could see, I could see Houston winning though, for sure. Um, and then Villanova, Michigan, I think it's going to be a tougher game or, or closer game than Hayden's kind of making it out to be. Just because again, I don't. I think that you see the seed number next to Michigan's name, and then you think, all right, yeah, they'll be the underdog. You know, Villanova's the two; they're going to win. But again, I just go back to the fact that like this team clearly has the enough talent to be ranked as basically a top, you know, number one seed. So it's like they're an eleven seed right now, but they could have easily, just as easily, been a one seed. So I think it's going to be a really good game. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan wins. I would love to see a Michigan-Houston Elite Eight game. How, how about that? as an upset pick there, but obviously I have Arizona as my champion. So I will pick them to advance from this region. And even from that. All right, moving on to the bottom left, the East region, we've got UNC versus UCLA and then Purdue versus St. Peter's. So this is, this is quite the, the, the seating here. We've got the eight seed against the four seed. And for this game, this game, I think is going to be really, really good. I think that both teams are, I mean, UNC, UNC is hot right now, and everybody knows that um, Baylor almost came back and, and beat UNC. They actually sent, sent it to overtime after being down by 25 at one point in regulation, which was crazy. And there's been a lot of controversy over the refs and how the, the refereeing in that game was just uh, a little bit questionable, to say the least. But, yeah, I, th- I think that UCLA is coming off of a really hot run here, um, but I, I think that I think that UCLA is just well. I, I guess it kind of depends on Jaime Hawkes too, because uh, Jaime Hawkes got hurt, and I think that Matt's looking up his his status right now on his computer. Um, but yeah, Jaime Hawkes got hurt. I think it was like more towards the end of the game. I think it was sometime in the second half um, in their game against St. Mary's, and that kind of put them in uh, a little bit of trouble. But then UCLA was able to. Um, pull away towards the end. So it, it, de- it definitely depends on Jaime Hawkins. If he's not able to go, I'm going to go U- UNC. But if he is 100%, which, again, that's that's a little bit shaky there, I would probably go UCLA. But I guess for the sake of uh, – I guess for the sake of making a pick, I'm just going to go UNC here and just, you know, go outside the box and pick the, the eight seed to go to the Elite Eight. So um, that's my pick there. And then for the Purdue-St. Peter's game, I would love to pick uh, St. Peter's here. And if you're picking St. Peter's in this game, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say anything because St. Peter's has shown that they can really beat anybody. They can even match up against big guys such as Oscar Sheboy with Kentucky, who's the best big man in the country. And uh, yeah, I mean, they were able to stop him. So, you know, Purdue has a lot of size other than just their seven foot four center. But um, so I I think that's going to be kind of the deal breaker there. So I think Purdue is going to, roll past St. Peter's sad for them, but I think it's going to happen. And then UNC Purdue in the elite eight in this region. I would have never guessed that I'm going to, 
I'm going to go UNC to the final four. Why not? I think that UNC, um, like Matt said, I think they just play, they play a really fast pace. Um, and they've, I think they've kind of figured out, figured out their recipe to success, which is, which is, yeah, really just taking, you know, taking the threes when they need them, but also, you know, giving it down low to um, Armando Baycott when they need to. And, and, you know, Armando Baycott is a, a beast on the boards too. So I think that he's going to have a, a good uh, stretch of games here and they're going to get to the final four. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think UCLA is probably going to get UNC here. Um, it's been a tough run for UNC. They played an overtime game and UCLA is proven they literally went to the final four last year so i think they have every right to do it again um and then same i like purdue i I would love to see st peter's win but i think purdue's size is just going to be too much for st peter's ucla and purdue i don't know man like that's a that's a good game and again it depends on how purdue's playing like if if jaden ivy's like all right i'm gonna give the ball to my teammates and trust the big guys inside and then ucla ends up fouling uh, the, the Purdue guys a lot, then Purdue can easily win this game out of the final four. Um, I don't know. I think it, it, I have UCLA in like most of my brackets or like I, I picked them to win actually a couple of them. So, gotcha. but I, I don't know. I mean, the way that they're playing right now, and if, especially if, if Jaime Hawkins is actually hurt, um, there's no status on him yet, but I'm, I'm assuming he, he'll, he'll try his best to play. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going to take Purdue. I think I can see them, see them going far. If they're, if they're again, like if they're actually starting to gel as a team, they could win the entire thing. Like, for sure, because you want to talk about a team that has size and can match up and score with Gonzaga, it's definitely Purdue. Um, so, so yeah, so I, I think that'd be that'd be kind of interesting to see, and I think it's definitely possible uh, for, for that region. All right, going to move down to the last region here, which is the bottom right, the Midwest. So we've got Kansas versus Purdue, the one versus four seed, and then the obscure Iowa State versus Miami. You guys already know what I think about Miami and Iowa State. I'm going to go Miami all day here. I think they've got the, – yeah, they've just got a, a crazy way of just like kind of almost playing street ball out there. Um, and they, you know, they, they get a lot of fast break points. They get a lot of turnovers. And that's what wins you games in March. So I'm going to go Miami in that game. And then the Kansas-Providence game, I'm going to go Kansas because – Dude, I I have nothing else to say about Providence. Like I every time I say it, I'm like, yeah, their luck is going to run out at one at one point and their luck just never runs out. <laughs> and you know, they they do have a pretty good team, but I just can't see them getting past Kansas. Kansas is, has shown that they're very good and that they, you know, they can win a close game as they did against Creighton. So, I'm going to I'm going to go Kansas with this one. And I have Kansas and Miami in the Elite 8. Why not? I'm going to go Miami going to the final four. So I'm, I'm, I, I do have right now a, an eight seed and a 10 seed in the final four. Again, I'm, I'm kind of just, you know, having fun with these picks, but I also, I mean, I also believe that these things can happen. Like I think that the way Miami has played their past two games, I mean, dude, literally beating a two seed as a 10 seed by 18 points. Come on, dude. I, I know at the end of the game, they were kind of just messing around. And so was, so was Auburn, but like, dude, it, Miami is real. I hope people realize that. And yeah, I've got them going to the final four. Yeah. It's guard play, man. Miami, Charlie Moore. He's a beast. Um, that's all it is. March is guard play is making a run. You got to have, you got to have your guards. You got to have them playing on point. And then Miami definitely is right now. So I definitely think they're going to beat Iowa state. If, if Iowa state's able to defend the guards, definitely they could, they could do it. But I just, I, I would say it's my most surprising team that's even, left right now so i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and take miami there um and same with kansas 
it was it was interesting kind of before March Madness started in, in kind of the days leading up to it. Everybody was saying like either th- this region is either going to be the easiest or, or the craziest. Like yeah. you could have, you know, right, a 10 seed make the final four or Kansas could just roll through everyone because there's going to be a bunch of upsets and whatever down below. And they just have the better athletes, the better talent. And they're just going to, you know, they're just going to take everything over. And I think that's probably what's going to happen at this point. Um, Providence is not on their level athletically. I would, that's probably my favorite upset. Like I would love to see Providence win. Um, but I don't think they're going to. And then, yeah, you're playing, a, you're playing a 10 or 11 seed in the elite eight and you're Kansas, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking, you're thinking you're, uh, you're Lord in heaven above. And then you're also saying, I'll take that ticket to the final four. Um, so I think, I think Kansas really has the easiest path to the final four uh, of any team this entire March Madness season. Alrighty. Well, with that being said, there's our, Sweet 16 and Elite 8 picks. We wanted to get that to you guys just to kind of tell you guys where our heads are at with the bracket right now. I know that you guys can't make any changes to your brackets. I wish I could make changes to mine. That's for sure. Because <laughs> you guys know. Last, you guys... Year, last year, ESPN, or actually in the past, like the past yeah. like, four or five years, mm-hmm. they've done what's called a second chance bracket. And so they give you the 16 teams that have already been decided. And then you can, you know, you can pick your own because it's like a second chance at your own bracket. You get to pick the things. That, I'm surprised they're not doing it this year. I was like so excited yeah. to fill out my second chance brackets. And then I just haven't seen it. And I guess they're just not doing it. It's kind of depressing. Yeah, I guess they just knew that we were doing it on first on rundown podcast. And so they didn't want to, that's right. They yeah. didn't want They didn't know they couldn't compete with this. Yeah. We should actually copyright that now. You know, we, we should, we should own rights to the, to the second chance bracket and just have it on here and do it that way. That would be fun. But, but yeah, so there's our, our second chance bracket for you guys. Um, Again, you know, I, I kind of just went wild with my picks, but I think that the rest of the tournament, if, you know, if, if the first two rounds are any indicator of how the rest is going to go, then, I think that it should be should be a wild ride for the rest of the for the rest of the tournament here. So that's that. Matt is also going to talk about some golf here for you guys. We're, we're actually not going to get into the fun segment because we're going a little bit over and I have to be somewhere kind of soon. So. Um, so, yeah, for the next 15 minutes, we're just going to talk a little bit of golf here and then we're going to sign off for the day. But Matt, take it away. Yeah, this is the dedication that Hayden's giving me to you guys going. He had all these birthday plans and he's still recording the podcast. Let's go. There you go. Um, two weeks ago, we had the Players Championship. If you heard anything about it, you heard that it was a crazy, crazy schedule. Okay, so obviously every golf tournament is Thursday through Sunday. Thursday and Friday, it's played at TPC Sawgrass uh, in, in Ponte Vedra Beach in Florida. Thursday and Friday was literally torrential downpours for the entire day, right? So they played like a two hours of golf on, on Thursday, then had to delay it for the rest of the day. Friday, they like, didn't even try to go out on the course to play. And so what you ended up with was on Saturday, essentially everyone just playing their first round. And that's how crazy this, this whole weather situation made it was that everything got pushed back like two days. And the weird part is they still finished on Monday, but the way that it worked was like, pretty much everyone had to have had like finished their first round on Saturday and then just had to keep playing golf um, all the way through, even through Sunday. And to the point where the cut, which after the Thursday and Friday rounds, you know, they, they have the cut and half the players are gone and you move on with the, you know, with the, with the top half and they, you know, they compete for, for their positions and whatever. 
The cut didn't happen. And that happens on Friday night. Friday afternoon is when the cut is. The cut didn't happen until Sunday afternoon. So we're sitting here like when the tournament literally should be ending and it's basically just halfway through. Um, so it was definitely a crazy schedule. And obviously, you know, that probably impacted kind of the 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 reality of who was going to kind of end up winning this tournament. So um, it did. It was pretty crazy, though, because towards the end there you had. um you know, you had Honor Bon Lahiri on top for the first three rounds, all right? And he was killing it. And then you had, you know, you had, th- there weren't too many, like, big names up there. I mean, there was, you know, Paul Casey was there. You had, you know, you had your Johnny Vegases, but, like, nobody really knows who those guys are. So that was kind of cool. And it was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, Players Championship. Some people consider it the fifth major, right? Um, we're going to get, you know, we're going to get a result out of this. And Cam Smith said, hold everything because, I'm coming through and I'm taking this tournament. Um, dude's got ice in his veins. He's, he's amazing around the green. Um, you know, he, it, it's, it's almost like I watch his game, especially, you know, his strokes game, putting and everything. I look at him and I'm like, dude, you're getting lucky with these 30 footers. You're just sinking like time after time, but no, he consistently does it. He's actually, he's actually just that skilled. Um, and so obviously throughout all of the turmoil and the weather and everything, Cam Smith came out on top on a Monday night uh, for the players. Didn't he? Uh, didn't he also win in like crazy fast? Didn't he get like an eagle on seventeenth or something, and then uh, and then birdied? He it was it was something crazy. He yeah, like he he, bur- he took some crazy shot to get like either a birdie or, or an eagle on seventeenth, and then he birdied eighteenth, and then that was the only way that he won, right? No, I think it was uh, you're right about seventeen. He he took a crazy shot and 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 I think eagled seventeen, and then. And then he like completely botched his tee shot on 18 and he was like staring down the barrel of a double bogey, which would have put him in a playoff. And then he just like nailed a, like a 30 foot bogey putt. And basically like he bogeyed 18, but he still won by one stroke. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. I dude, I was watching the end of that with my roommate and will, and he was, yeah, we were just both like in awe of Cam Smith because yeah, he this time and time again, he, he just shows that he's, you know, one of the best in the world. And so I, again, I, kind of my contribute or my contribution to this uh to this segment is is really the you know cam smith because i watched it and it was uh yeah it was it was just incredible to see and i think that you know cam smith is definitely a guy to watch out for coming into the coming into the stretch of majors here you know masters is just a couple weeks away so we've uh we've got that coming up at you know kind of right after the tournament honestly so that that'll be fun to talk about but yeah and then last week we had the Valspar Championship, um, which Sam Burns won. And and Sam Burns is an interesting story because if you, I mean, they probably they, they said it on the broadcast however many times, but Sam Burns actually won the Valspar Championship last year. So that means that he repeated at the Valspar. That's really hard to do. Not a lot of people do that, like ever. Like this is very rare. But the thing is, when he won the Valspar last year, he had like kind of come onto the scene, right? Then you kind of go further on. I think at the Charles Swab last year, he was like, for, he was leading. He, he was like up by five strokes through like 70, 72 holes, blew the lead. And then kind of you're sitting there in like the late summer, early fall. And you're like, dude, this guy's going to make a run, right? Like bet him to win all the majors next year. Like he's, he's going to be the next guy. And then throughout the entire fall swing, as well as the first couple months of this year so far, He's just been really underwhelming, especially compared to like the, you know, the potential that we saw for him. But obviously, hey, 
I guess all he needs to get, you know, to, to get on the right track again is just playing at the Valspar Championship because he's won twice in a row now. Um, you know, he, he's on fire. So um, everybody's going to go back to, to betting him at like 80 to 1, the Winter Masters, but uh, including myself. Um, so obviously, congratulations to, to, to Sam Burns, and, and, and hopefully he can kind of continue the, the play that he has. He's one of those killers, too. Like, he, you know, he never shows any emotion. He's always got his hat facing forward, um, and, 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 he, and he nails the ball. I mean, he's, he's great. Like, he's great off the tee. He's long and accurate. That's really what you want uh, in any, you know, any golfer. Strokes gains off the tee um, is always important because he's always putting himself in the best possible position to actually make it to the hole, right? Um, so, yeah, so definitely a good, a good, uh, good, good tournament there by Sam Burns. And he took it too, because it was one of those, another one of those weird tournaments where like you had, you know, Matthew Neesmith was the leader after, after 56 um, or after 36, sorry. And then, um, and then Davis Riley was the leader after 72. And you're thinking is really these, one of these guys are going to win, uh, you know, win this tournament. And then again, you know, Sunday comes and these, and these rookies and these guys who are, who've never won on the PGA before they kind of just, they, they, they get, they get loose in their boots and they, uh, they lose the lead to, to the guys who have proven themselves and done it before. So um, would have been cool to see Davis Riley actually take it. Cause who, you know, he's a rookie. Nobody knows who he is and could have made a name for himself, but I think Sam Burns definitely deserved this, especially after kind of the disappointing, year or end to the season that he had uh last year the final piece of golf news which came away this afternoon actually uh is that phil mickelson is not playing in the masters he didn't say why but i think we can all guess it had something to do with his publicity stunt or lack thereof which occurred about a month ago um and I think it's, it's it, the, the stat was like, it's the first master that he's masters tournament that he's not playing in since 1994. Like, are you kidding me, dude? That was literally like 30 years ago. Um, which, you know, which obviously just, just, you know, like proves how good of a golfer he's been. And he always has been, he's won two of them, you know, so, so, or three, no two. Um, and so clearly like, you know, it's, it's going to be different not having him here, but obviously as we've talked about, he's definitely not at the top of his game. Nobody would expect him to win here. Um, the, the, the fact that he won the PGA last year, I still, it boggles, boggles my mind, like to no end. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, so Hayden, what do you think about Phil not playing in the masters this year? Yeah, dude, I, again, we kind of, we definitely know why, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I think that you're right in that he's just not, He's not at the top of at the top of his game. Um, and, you know, I think that we could agree that he wasn't really at the top of his game before the PGA championship last year, but he won that. So that would honestly, that would just cap off the craziest thing ever is if Phil Mickelson like actually, you know, was going to play in the masters and then ended up winning it or something like that at whatever 53 or however old he is at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty excited for the masters. Honestly, it's, you know, it's, it's a, I've gotten more into golf lately than I ever have been. So I've, I've watched more tournaments than I have in the past. I really, before this year, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't watched any golf tournaments other than the majors. So, you know, the PGA championship and masters and so on. So yeah, I, I hadn't really, I hadn't really been into golf other than those, those four majors, but, uh, but now I've actually gotten into watching somewhat of the tournaments that, um, you know, that precede the mass, I mean, precede the, the majors here. And yeah, it makes me even more excited for the masters because obviously masters is the, you know, the most well-known and, and usually the best tournament of the year. So that will be fun to, to see there. But again, I think that no Phil Mickelson in the masters is not really gonna, you know, that's, that's, that's not really going to affect much because he hasn't 
really even come close to winning um, in the past few years here. So yeah, that about wraps up our episode here. Um, we've, you know, we got a, got a lot of good stuff in with college basketball, um, picking all the sweet 16 and elite eight games and kind of giving you our review of, of what we thought was significant, you know, looking back on the, the first two rounds here and then that golf talk for you right there. Um, that was, yeah, that, that was a good productive episode that we had. Again, I'm sorry to kind of cut it short here. It's going to be maybe, you know, a couple minutes short of an hour um, just because I do have somewhere to go in, you know, about five minutes here. So, um, yeah, still wanted to get this episode out for you guys, though, because you guys know that we love doing this and it's our it's our passion. So why not? Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll be back with you guys on Saturday. No, I think. Yeah. So Sunday, I think we're going to switch our Saturday episode to Sunday because AZ can be on on Sunday. And I think we're just going to do even more NFL talk because there's been there's been more trades that have happened since our last episode on Saturday. And there's just going to keep on being more news that comes out between now and Sunday. So, yeah, I mean, one day isn't going to hurt and we're going to have probably another, a whole nother episode dedicated to that on Sunday. So look forward to that because again, we're not going to do anything regarding college basketball because it'll still kind of be going on. Um, you know, the, the, the latter part of the elite eight games will be going on on Sunday and then we'll have our final four episode out the Tuesday after next weekend. So that's kind of the, the plan coming up here, um, you know, in the near future and we're super excited for it. We hope you guys are, and we'll catch you on Sunday.